0: Hey there, audio community. The Soundgirls Podcast would like to thank our sponsors, QSC, for supporting our program. And you may think pro-audio when you think about QSC, but they're also about making the world a better place. They're committed to things like integrity and building trust and keeping promises. They promote thinking long-term, even when it's more work, and they value inclusion. They promote doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. So QSC is about a lot more than just audio, and we're very grateful for their support. So check out everything that they're about at QSC.com. Hey there, everyone. Rebecca Wilson here, your host. And today on the show, we have Anne-Marie Ront, who is a gaming sound engineer that works for the world-class gaming giant Ubisoft. We talked about all kinds of stuff from how they think about sound in the gaming space to all the different jobs that are available and some of the challenges she faces when designing. She also talks about some of the user groups and resources that you can check out if you're interested in this massive audio industry. And as always, thanks for stopping in and you can find over a hundred more Sound Girls podcasts in all the normal podcast places. Hi, and thanks for coming, Anne Marie. I'm super, super excited to talk to you about gaming audio because I know n- pretty much nothing about it. And where are you today? I'm at home,
1: uh, about an hour north of Toronto. And
0: you obviously work from home.
1: Yeah, I moved here in February, and before that, I was downtown Toronto. So it's a big change.
0: Big change. And are you? Is it kind of pastoral there? Is it? What's no. It like?
1: It's definitely more green space for sure, but I'm in a, like a small residential area. And when I was downtown, it was obviously just, you know,
0: center of downtown, lots of bars and buildings and stuff like that, busyness. Toronto's the best, yeah. I wanted to just talk about, I know I read a little bit about you, and you didn't start in Gaming Audio, so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about where you started and how you started.
1: Okay, sure. I grew up a musician playing mainly classical piano in elementary and high school, And then at some point, I decided I'm not going to play piano anymore. I'm going to switch to guitar. (laughs) So I started playing guitar. I played in bands, uh, taught myself drums and bass. And I got into computers after high school. I really wanted to do music, but at the time, it was like 1999 or 2000. I went into computers, and I started learning how to program. So I was a developer for about... 10, 12 years. Were Um, you? Okay. Yeah. So I was coding a lot uh, different languages. And after doing that for a while, I had the chance to work on some like smaller web games. So I did the sound for them and I really enjoyed doing that. And that was kind of how I started transitioning over. So I started doing more web games and then I started doing film and TV. I transitioned out of coding because I started to hate it.
0: I hear and it's I, really uh, hard. It's really hard on your body because it's so intense. Oh right? yeah.
1: It's very very stressful. Are,
0: yes.
1: Yeah. That was mainly the big thing for me. I mean, freelance is like that anyway, but it's a bit different when you're writing code. Yeah.
0: I was just going to backpedal to the band days. So, did you play in bands and did you ever make oh, any yeah. studio records and things? So, no. you did you learn No, you never did. You just played.
1: <laughs> I just played uh played a lot of parties. No, yeah, we didn't record any any material. Um, it was all just, you know, live shows. And I had a lot of fun with that. I miss those days.
0: Yeah, I know. I, they're really, it's fun. But that was really kind of the first time that you were working with audio, I guess. It seems that most of our guests played at some point. So I just, I'd love to find out how deep that went so okay so you did coding and then when you say that you did some gaming audio you got a chance to do that do you really need a coding background for doing what you're doing now or not not
1: not necessarily I mean it's definitely an asset to understand in terms of logic and understanding when sounds trigger but I don't think it's something that you need to know got it
0: and so, just for all the listeners out there, so Anne Marie works for Ubisoft, which is one of the leading premier gaming companies I mean they're huge it's would you say they're either the top or the top five or in the world? I mean,
1: I would say so, yeah, we have a lot of studios everywhere
0: yeah, so today, I really want to understand kind of from the ground up the workflow for someone in case think about it as if the people who are listening may want to go into gaming audio what would be kind of the first thing you would tell them that they would need and kind of describe, I'm really curious about the process too, on on how a game goes from inception to mix down to market. Okay, that's, that's a really long-winded answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just start with, what do you think is one of the most important things that a beginning audio engineer that wants to get into gaming should know?
1: In terms of starting out, Career-wise, I think it would be important not to just play games, but usually when you play a game, you don't really think about the problems that you run into in terms of bugs. So sometimes people who want to get into audio or any other department can start as testers, like dev testers. And what they do is they play the game every possible way that they can to try to, you know, to cause a player to do something that they shouldn't be doing problems. Yeah. yeah, to cause so problems. So they try to break the game, essentially, and find, you know, little things that shouldn't be happening. And I want to
0: be a game breaker. That sounds fun. <laughs> it's
1: it's fun, but it's also, it's taxing. I and bet. it's not the greatest paying job, even though it should <laughs> be, because it's it's something that just is necessary in, in the process of development. But yes, it's, it's so important of a job. And I think a lot of people don't understand how important it is and they should definitely get more respect for what they do
0: i see so that's kind of a good way in to just see to think about audio more in a telescoped environment i guess if you're a game breaker yeah, yeah. Uh, if you when
1: when when you are a dev tester you actually get to understand what the departments uh, do and how they work together, which is really important to understand how games are made. So that's also a good reason to be a dev tester.
0: Which is a perfect transition into how are games made? <laughs> because exactly. I'm really at, at, a, at a loss. I have no idea. And I was kind of on purpose, didn't research just so I could ask the most ignorant questions that would be most helpful. Can you walk us through sort of the process? So like, how does it start and what's entailed?
1: Well, it starts with a lot of discussions between directors, like creative directors, animators, level designers, audio directors, everybody to kind of just um, have a vision, you know, narrative, to have a story and crafting that story well enough to, you know, encompass gameplay as well. There's a lot of meetings all the time, (laughs) every day, (laughs) a lot of discussions. But there are just so many departments working together from like AI, animation, lighting, level designers, artists, VFX, audio. It's just everyone. It's
0: just crazy. The amount of people that make a game. And so your title is what at Ubisoft? Sound designer. Sound designer. Okay. So, So say all the creative's done. We have the characters, we have, you know, whatever the narrative is, the point and everything is then... I mean, you're you're along the way on that process to talk audio design, is is that right? Yeah. And then how do you actually go about choosing sounds and how does that work and how many sound I mean, it would seem like there would just be endless amounts of effects and sounds that you could use.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Well, when you're a sound designer like myself, you usually either can go one or the other way, which is work with cinematics, which is like like film. So a bunch of cutscenes and gameplay. And, and Which is the other side of being a sound designer, doing the gameplay stuff. So when I was on Far Cry 5, uh, I was solely on cinematic. So I did everything from sound designing all the scenes to, you know, putting in Temp Foley and mixing it, pre-mixing it. And then projects that I'm on now, and uh, I was on Far Cry 6 as well. Uh, I was on the gameplay side, so I got to touch everything, which is totally different in terms of different way of integrating things, different way of understanding to go from one to the other. But it's almost like I'm
0: coming full circle now, understanding both sides. I see. So when you say touch everything, what does that mean?
1: I mean like touch everything from like understanding gameplay mechanics, AI, putting sound for animations into particles and VFX, weapons.
0: We're touching everything. I see. So then as far as deciding on sounds, do you kind of come up with a list? How is all that documented as far as what we're using here and what and is it you that's deciding that or
1: some of the way, yes, because I was on the Far Cry brand, we had a lot of like a lot of assets that were already done because we had five games already. So a lot of it was already kind of in. So some of that we used, some of that we had to create new or modify or layer to make new sounds. Um, for example, like on Far Cry 6, we had a series of gadgets, which I worked on, you know, things that blew up when you threw them, like proximity mines, or we had this weapon that spit out CDs as a weapon. I didn't work on that one, but I'm just giving examples of, that. A, of a gadget. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Did they cut people's head off? Well, yeah. It, there's I think there's is some footage out there that people have done headshots with them.
0: Pretty funny. Or do they just play really bad music and the people melt to the ground from like, I think Danzig. They
1: played. It played a track. I don't remember what track it was, to be honest. I should know, but and it just sounded like it was kind of stuck on repeat.
0: That will drive an enemy to retreat yes. at any point. Yeah, that's great. That's pretty funny. That's great. So, when you're designing, how do you go about kind of psychologically? Are there tips and tricks for certain kinds of moves? I guess you'd say, like if you're designing for a weapon or movement in a character or anything, I mean, what are you? Can you talk through some of the psychoacoustic things that you think about?
1: I can give you an example of a weapon that I worked on. If I was designing a sound for a weapon, I usually I think about you know what can I use for the mech, the mechanical parts of this gun, let's say, and then what what can I use for the body, and what I- what can I use for like the air uh, that you're going to hear when you shoot this gun. Uh, so thinking in those terms, it's pretty much sim- very similar to film, but we have access to many libraries and we record props in the studio as well when we get the time to. Um, which is, really is, that, is that
0: what when you mentioned the Foley, that so you guys actually do real Foley still? Not in
1: the Toronto studio. Sometimes we do Temp Foley there, but we do have a partner studio in Montreal that does our Foley. Oh, it depends on the game, by the way. They do the Foley
0: for us. That's great. And when you say Temp Foley, what's the purpose of Temp Foley?
1: purpose of Temp Foley is just to have something as placeholder before the actual Foley comes in, and then we can mix that.
0: So when you're mixing, how many tracks, I know it probably varies greatly, but it would just seem since there's what would appear to be an infinite amount of scenes that someone could do, how do you map how much audio you're going to need for a game? I mean, it just seems endless.
1: There is a memory budget that we have to... To go by each, I guess, feature. So, like, for example, weapons or, like, ambiences or, you know, different food groups. They would allocate a certain amount of memory to each group. And then we would try to work within that range. But when it comes to mixing, I can't speak to mixing because the audio director usually does that. But I can speak about pre-mixing. In terms of pre-mixing, it's just, like, it's the same as film, like, just mixing a 5.1 film
0: or surround film. I see. Okay. So there is a ton of crossover there. How many tracks would a game likely have? I mean, it would just seem like hundreds. Well, in
1: games, it's more like objects because every because we don't work with tracks. Everything gets funneled into an audio engine called Wise, which is what we use at Ubisoft. So, if you don't know what Wise is, or if you've heard of FMOD, those are uh, it's called middleware, where it kind of if you can think about it as a thing that sits between the sound designer and the programmer, so that way the programmer doesn't have to do as much work. So like, I'll give an example. Say I'm working on footsteps and I put those in the game and I have slight variations between them. With Ys, what you can do is you can set volume settings and pitch settings, so that way you can randomize them if you need to, and you can also add effects to them as they're playing in the game.
0: Wow. That's just it's it's kind of it just blows my mind how different I mean it's all audio but it's night and day. So I guess uh do you ever work with any of the dialogue? How does that play into the mixes? I myself
1: have edited dialogue and integrated it. I'm not in the sessions with the actors. I'm, I usually get it afterwards and, and have to do my editing and all of that fun stuff. But it's very similar to going through like the sound design process too and Foley and mixing it all.
0: I see. And how long have you been doing this work? This work in games, you mean? Yeah. I've been there
1: since 2017. So five, five just over five years now. But in games as a whole, I've been doing it a bit longer than that.
0: And where were you working before that?
1: Um, Before that, I was working with different studios uh, because I was freelance. So I was working on different projects here and there, whether it was like smaller games trying to sell a product or, uh, you know, working on short films or independent features or VR games or something. I was doing a whole bunch of crazy things.
0: So for audio positions inside gaming, could you go over some of, like, say, entry level versus secondary and kind of just go over the tiered job structure for audio gaming?
1: Sure. There's not really, I wouldn't say tiered structure, but I can tell you some of the positions in terms of audio. We have audio testers. We have voice designers that handle the dialogue, um, sound designers like myself. And I think that
0: is really it besides the audio director there's not much. That is a lot though. That's a lot. And in an average game, what is the timeline? It would kind of that expectation. I know it's hard without taking into the project specifics, Yeah. but how, say for your last project, how long is it from, okay, here's, here's the narrative and the characters. We're starting audio tracking now or objects now.
1: Yeah. I would say in terms of the development of, like, the whole cycle, probably five years on average. Four or five That's years. so long. It is. I thought
0: you were going to say, like, 12 months or 18 months and I was going to be floored. But five <laughs> no. years.
1: Do so you, you like really... A, sorry. Uh, if it's an expansion pack or something like that for a game, then yes, I would say it's a lot shorter. Like, a, a year. But, yeah, it's a long time
0: for a full game. So as far as the industry goes, and you talk about proprietary stuff, I'm not going to ask you to talk about proprietary stuff. But what (laughs) I would love to know is, as far as the gaming monolith companies, what is it that you find that's really important in audio gaming? Like, what is it that everybody loves or is after? Or does that make sense? I mean, is the industry as a whole when it comes to the audio portion of it? Like, what what is it that users say that are like, oh, my God, this is way different than that. For audio-wise. audio,
1: audio is really hard. I, I can't answer them. games as a whole. I could I could answer, but not not
0: answer. It is games as a whole.
1: In my opinion, I think it's the narrative. I think it's always it always comes down to the story.
0: And what do you think makes a great story besides great audio? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess a really good a really good villain and a really good lead. Yeah, I don't know. Do you play games? I don't play as much as I should to be honest. I played as a kid a lot on Nintendo and Game Boy and stuff like that, but now I only play here and there because I'm I'm just too busy. I I don't have time.
0: Yeah, I mean and it's that's what happens. When you probably work inside of it, too. It probably shifts your perception of playing. Maybe. I don't know. Somewhat. Yeah. I know when I work in film, you know, when I work on a feature set, I somehow just don't watch a lot of movies that year. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know, because I'm just constantly feeling like I'm at work. Yeah. uh, So for audio, for the processing, as far as problems go, what are some of the challenges that you face as a gaming audio engineer?
1: I think a lot of, this happens a lot, where I'm waiting for visuals and I have nothing to go on. So, for example, uh, when I was on cinematics, let's say, um, Far Cry 5, early on when they were doing their passes for animation and editing, I would get the video and I would have to put sound to it. And a lot of the times you just see gray. And I'm like, what is what do I, what what am I, what is happening right here in this scene? So a lot of the times I'd have to reference the script and kind of understand what is going on. And I'd have to just use my imagination, see what works. And a lot of the times it's, you know, iterating and, you know, talking with the director or, or the editor and understanding what's happening. That's a big challenge, especially early
0: on when you're, you don't have enough to go on. Yeah, that seems like it. And that's just because of the design process. Like they're busy working on that section. So you don't have the assets for that section. Is that why?
1: Yeah, it, it's almost like a waterfall. Like you have to kind of wait till a certain part is done. And sometimes you have to either keep waiting or do what you can and then wait for the next pass that you can do, which is like, it's like three weeks later. It's a, a lot of it is waiting and iterating. But I'm trying to think of another example for you.
0: Have you ever had... A lot of missing audio or how about in the mix down? How is your quality assessed and controlled in the final stages? How do they um, check it?
1: Oh, uh, the audio director working on it uh, uses different meters. I don't know the name of them. Um, so a lot of them are in WISE, but I believe there are some other meters, depending on the con- console, that is it's being um, tested on. But I can't speak to that because I, I haven't seen it myself.
0: Yeah, but that's interesting that they use meters. And is it traditionally run, are all the tracks run, I mean, you said WISE is the software, but is there a primary software that projects are held in, or is that WISE? That,
1: that That's pretty much WISE, yeah. The whole okay. project is in it. And there's never any
0: outboard gear, it's all software mixed.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Okay.
0: There's yeah. no like hard, like a studio gear or, or like a console or anything?
1: No, no. I mean, we do have some mixing consoles. Some of us use sometimes when we're
0: in the mix room, but we hardly use it. I see. So I guess I'd love t- for you to kind of give some words of wisdom. Is there anything that you could impart, say, somebody that's going into audio or wants to learn about gaming? Are there s- certain schools that people would want to maybe go to or is that really is it really just about getting work experience what's your opinion on that
1: I'm not big on you know go to this school because I didn't go to school for it I had really awesome mentors who taught me everything I know and you know I read a lot of books I watched a lot of videos yeah I think for people that that are starting out I think mentors are really really important and I don't want to say networking because everyone hates the term networking Uh, Um, but it's but yeah I used to hate it. Then I changed my mindset about networking to be like, I'm just making new friends. So if you approach it that way, I feel like it's less sleazy and um.
0: <laughs> sleazy is the word. That's the exact yeah, word. I never used it, it just, but that's how I always feel.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I think that networking. When you think of networking as networking, it's almost like you're pitching, you're selling yourself, and that's like that's a sleazy thing, <laughs> in so my uncomfortable. opinion. <laughs> yes, super uncomfortable. And if you just go with the mindset that, you know, I'm just going to make some friends and see, you know, who's doing what. And the great thing is if you keep seeing the same people, then you get to, you know, know them more and you meet other people. So you just keep making new friends and keep in touch with them. And then, you know, you'll meet the right people and connect you with the the, the right circles.
0: Can you suggest any actual networks that are around that are industry networks for people to maybe check out, or any Facebook groups, or anything that would just be a resource for people?
1: There are a lot of Discord sound design groups. I don't know them the names offhand, but there are a lot. I, I, I think you can just search for them. On Twitter, the Game Audio hashtag is pretty alive. There are a lot of people who are writing to those hashtags daily. Uh, Facebook, not so much. Actually, I don't know too, too many of those, but I, know, I don't know if you've heard of the Gang Audio Group. I haven't. They are pretty big, mainly for music composers who want to get into games. That's a good one. I can't think of any more at the top of my head.
0: That's a perfect segue into talking about music. I've known people who have had music licensed for these games that are now millionaires because of that. And I'm just wondering what role music plays in your process, if any at all.
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. On Far Cry 6, there was a lot of licensed uh, tracks because we used a lot of Latin American artists. And Eduardo Weisman, our audio director, he went through a catalog of many artists. And I'm not sure if he was the one who reached out to some of these artists or not, or if he went to someone else to reach out to them. But we do have a licensing team who handles all of that kind of stuff.
0: How is music used in gaming? I don't even know because I'm just not a gamer. How is it used?
1: depends it, it can be diegetic within like the story within the game or it can be used as like underscore like just like a film what does diegetic mean oh. <laughs> diegetic is like within the story so like if you were hearing a radio or a tv playing music within the game world that is diegetic
0: i like that word i like saying that word diegetic Okay, so it can be used, and then obviously, like as an intro or an outro, there's music bed or something in there, I'm sure. Yeah, or even within
1: uh, cinematics, there's like uh, underscore uh, and some tense music playing. I see. What's your favorite part about your job? Ooh, that's hard. I think it's the creative part of it. Because for me, working on the gameplay side, there's, you know, you design, you're in your DAW, and you're... You're crafting your sounds, and then there's the integration side. You're putting it in Wise, and you're under, you're trying to figure out: is this a one shot? Is this a loop? How is this going to play? But I think I enjoy the creative side of designing um, the most.
0: And what's your least favorite part of your job?
1: <laughs> um, dealing with tools that don't work the way they should.
0: Such as, I mean, what can you give me an example? Just generally.
1: Sure, um, I can. I can speak to this a little bit. We were dealing with a game engine called Dunia. It's the engine that made all the Far Cry's. It's really old, so a lot of it, it's got a lot of clunkiness to it and a lot of features that could be better. Um, and a lot of the struggles come from that not working either well enough or fast enough. Yeah, it's got a lot of It's a little bit antique.
0: Yes. antique <laughs> As far as software, antique software. So I guess as far as interpersonal relationships in the gaming world, can you talk to maybe what someone can expect as far as, is it all remote? Are there a lot of people on site? How does that work for gaming?
1: Uh, I think it differs from company to company. I know there are a lot that are fully remote now, but for myself, I'm working about 90% from home. It is pretty flexible in terms of being in the studio and working from home, but that just depends on, you know, if you're close to the studio or not. The pandemic has obviously changed the way everybody works, and I would love to be in the studio more often, but I, I can't because I moved further
0: away. As far as kind of where you want to go in your career, I mean, how many women do what you do? Are there many or are you an anomaly? No,
1: I'm a little bit. Yeah, there's only a, a a few of us. Let's see. In terms of on my team, at least there's currently, there's probably one other woman sound designer. <laughs> there are several voice designers who are women, which is nice, but definitely not not enough sound designers.
0: Well, hopefully this will give some of them, you'll be an icon for them because that's really what Sound Girls is all about is just giving resources to women and trying to bring more women into audio and all the facets of it. So thank you for coming on. I wondered if you had any parting words for anyone as far as if someone handed you a mic and you could tell the world one thing, kind of what would it be? Either audio related, gaming related, personally, just anything you want to leave us with.
1: I think I could probably just say something that encompasses a whole bunch of other things. Um <laughs> whether it's personal or professional, I'm a firm believer in like grow through what you go through. So like whether it's, you know, a task that you're trying to finish or you're dealing with, you know, a breakup or something difficult in your life, just, you know, go through it and try to grow through it to, you know, get on with the process or your journey. So that you keep moving, and you're not dwelling in the past or stuck.
0: It's beautiful. I've never heard that. Grow through what you oh. go through. I'm going to think about that every time. I feel like I, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be helpful it's, it's, for me. It's kind of like the
1: harder you fall, the higher you bounce. It's kind of the similar. I've never thing. heard that either. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> what are these Canadians saying? No, you guys sort of got more involved. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you. And then as a final thing, which we always do on the show, is can you give a music recommendation that you love that's an album top to bottom that's that's something that you either, that's old or that's new, but just an artist that you love, but really a record that you feel like you would take with you on the desert island?
1: Uh, oh, okay. I think for me, it would probably be The Interrupters self-title from front to back. I think it's theirs. Oh, I don't even want to get this wrong. Their second album.
0: <laughs> when did um, it come out? Around. Oh gosh,
1: I don't even. I don't even know. I'd have to look that up. I want to say. Well, cool. Twenty. Oh god, I don't even. Know. I mean, I Sorry. just don't know
0: the inter- I just don't even know them. So There's, I just wondered if it was new, oh, how it, new or how old.
1: It's not generally. Uh, it's I guess fairly new in the past fifteen years. <laughs> if you consider okay. that new, I mean, I'm yeah. old, so
0: like. <laughs> You don't look old. You look really young. That's why I was like, I'm not sure. I'm I'm 42. Are you? Oh goodness. Well, that's not old to begin with. But it's great that you have a career sound designing. I mean, the gaming industry is is such a huge, huge avenue for professional work in audio, and it pays really well, from what I hear. Is that true? Your silence.
1: (laughs) Uh, I guess uh, it, it depends on the, the company and,
0: you know, what level you're at. Yeah, of course, like anything. But there is yeah. there is money to be made. It's not the shoestring budget that a lot of small recording studios are. Yeah, for sure. I guess is what I was trying to say. So thank you so much, Amory, for coming on. It's really been a pleasure. And I appreciate you being a role model for all the women in gaming, since there are hardly any.
1: Thank you so much
0: for having me. It was fun. Sound Girls Podcast is sponsored by QSC, and you can find new episodes dropping every week in all the normal podcast places. And for more info about what Sound Girls offers, which is a ton of opportunities and career support, check out soundgirls.org. Hey, are you looking for more audio-related podcasts? Well, check out our friends at the Audio Podcast Alliance see all their podcasts, visit audiopodcast.org.
1: The Soundgirls Living History Project is a collection of interviews with audio industry veterans. The project seeks to highlight the careers and achievements of
0: women and underrepresented groups in audio. Interviews are conducted by Soundgirls members with guidance from experienced interviewers in the audio industry. Interviews will be available
1: publicly in our Living History Project and for educational use and research. You can find the Living History Project on the Soundgirls YouTube page, youtube.com
0: slash soundgirls. The executive producers of the Sound Girls podcast are Becky Campbell and Susan Williams. This episode was produced by me, Rebecca Wilson, and edited by Christina Hiramoto. Our theme song was written and recorded by Jess Benton, and we send a big thank you to our sponsors at QSC, who, just like at Sound Girls, wants to help empower you with the right tools, support, and services to help you create impactful connections. Find out more info at soundgirls.org and qsc.com.